do something here. Check it, check. Am I live on the internet? My name is Seth Sauerherd, formal intro to follow. Uh, two guests coming up tonight. This is called Seth Sauerherd in France because um, I apparently have at least a couple of them. Let me see if I can hear myself. No, it looks like I am decently live. Um, why is that? Oh, that's what's going on. So let me. That's what's going on. Okay. Um, hopefully, my guest is joining me here in just a second. Um, why are you doing that? I'll get better at this, but in the meantime, you know, what can I say? Kind of like this right now. Check, check, check. Um, that should be better. Hey, what's up, five people who are watching? I'm listening back to myself in real time. There we go. All right, the other Seth, Seth Simmons, come on down. There we go. Dude, you look so much more like you're not in prison than me. Uh, pretty good. I um, Wait, let me just make sure when you pop up here that I have audio. This is like I, – I have not been good at like pre-testing the live. Hang on, you're on. No, you're not on. Hang on. Um, I'm kind of amazed at people like the fact that people will hang through, um, a decent amount of like technical crap, uh, which is actually pretty amazing. Uh, there we go. That should bring you up. So is, is, is my background, um, correct to you? Can you read the? Yeah, the closed-minded podcast. Yeah, um, uh, okay. Wait, is that virtual, or is, did you actually it, make that? Well, I, I mean, I, no, I, it's an image that I made. I just tiled the logo, and then I have a virtual background in Zoom. So I've got a green screen behind me. Okay, you look more or less like a force ghost. from Dude, not, not you. Buddy, come here. The dog's in here with me. To make, I, I wanted to get this as professional as possible. <laughs> um, so I thought we would just... Basically, just the the first four minutes would be complete throwaway, and then the dog would like he he ripped my my um, speakers off the desk the other day. Oh, not because he fun. meant to, just because it got around his head. Uh, <laughs> all right, formal intro. Uh, this is Seth Towerhurd and friends. I would be the person whose name is in the title. Um, what we do around here is we help you grow in uh, career, culture, creativity, and life skills. Seth Simmons joins me uh, first of two possible guests tonight. Um, I do have about a 50% cancellation rate, so the, <laughs> the format was two guests a night twice a week, but uh, I've never had two guests, so we'll see. Um, we're going to do a little bit of life skills and then probably a little bit of um, uh, just kind of parenting, philosophy, uh, you know, kind of work stuff. Um, man, not so much work stuff. I've talked to all work stuff, but, uh, you are, uh, let's go ahead and intro you. So I, I've met you because somebody shared something on Facebook and like we became <laughs> friends. Yeah. <laughs> that does happen as opposed to just somebody adding somebody so they can scream at them. 
Um, you host a podcast I really like, which is a um, kind of solo-ish podcast called Closed Minded, which obviously, if you're watching the video, uh, you can see right there. So you want to just kind of intro what made you do that? Yeah. So I just, I like talking about books. I like talking about what I'm reading, uh, deep ideas. And I, I thought a podcast would be really fun to explore those things. So, you know, I'm interested in things that are off the beaten path, sort of off the index card of allowable opinion. Uh, and so I wanted the place to discuss with authors, their books that I'm reading and anything else that interests me. So that's basically what drives it is my interest. So if you don't share my interest then you probably won't enjoy the podcast, but um, I like a lot of different things. So I try to have fun with it. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing here. Uh, by the way, is that crunching picking up? No. Oh, okay. The dog's chewing on a Diet Coke bottle. Um, that's kind of what I'm doing here is just my, uh, um, I kind of, uh, oh, geez. Um, Oh, frick. Sorry, the baby's like still not asleep. I get it. Um You just have one. I've got I've got yeah, four. Yeah, you have four. <laughs> um can you talk can you talk about your podcast for literally three minutes or less and I'll be back? Uh sure. Uh so just to rattle off some of the episodes that I've gone through, um I've talked to a bunch of random people. Some were, were really fun guests to talk through with. Uh, the most One of the most recent ones is the CEO of a startup called UBDI, which is it's U-B-D-I. It stands for Universal Basic Data Income. So if you've heard of Andrew Yang's shtick, which honestly I'm not a huge fan of politically, but it's an interesting concept and I really like the guy um, personally. He's got this universal date, universal basic income concept. And what this startup is doing is, is basically providing a, a way for you to privatize and uh, monetize your own data. So instead of, you know, Google and Facebook and all of the socials harvesting your info and you're getting their product for free, really you're the product. And uh, what, what UBDI allows you to do is monetize your data. So you download your data from a bunch of sources, you store it in the secure vault, and then you can take surveys based upon matches against different criteria. And it's all private. It's all anonymous. It's all completely, completely controlled by you. And uh, she estimates that, you know, at the end of the day, once this whole thing gets off the ground, you could potentially monetize your data for up to $1,000 a year um, privately and securely. So that was a really interesting conversation. She's a young 20-something uh, CEO of a tech startup uh, in California. So um, I had a lot of fun talking to her. Um, another really fun guest that I had was the uh, co-author of a book uh, on the Justice Kavanaugh confirmation, uh, and it's just sort of placed that confirmation battle in the full context of Supreme Court confirmation history, going back to, I don't know, the, the 50s, the 60s, uh, and then talking about Robert Bork in the 80s, um, Bush appointees in the 2000s, uh, Merrick Garland. Uh, and Antonin Scalia's death, and then you know, culminating in this most recent battle, uh, just over uh, a year and a half ago for uh, Justice Kavanaugh, and they really dive into the weeds of what was happening behind the scenes. They interviewed over 100 people. Uh, it was a massive bestseller. And uh, it was co-written by um, uh, a legal uh, mind who actually clerked for Justice Clarence Thomas. And then Molly Hemingway is a journalist. She was the other co-author. Um, she's on Fox News a lot. She co-founded the Federalist website. Um, so I got to talk to, to Carrie Severino, the co-author there. That was really, really fascinating stuff to talk through the story of Kavanaugh and what was going behind on behind the scenes. Um, yeah. So just things like that. So, you know, anything from I, I, I did an episode on uh, a journalist who was 
skeptical of Darwinism, and I, I talked through the arguments that he goes through and explains sort of from a journalist perspective to layman readers about what the science is saying and where the controversies are. Um, I talked to a guy whose name is Pat Flynn, uh, not the smart passive income Pat Flynn, but a different one. Uh, oh, he's yeah. Oh, I know that would have been a, a pretty awesome steal. But this guy's really awesome too. Uh, he wrote a book on generalism which is basically the idea that rather than trying to specialize in one one topic, and I think you and I have talked about this before, actually, Seth, um, you should focus on getting proficient to good or great in a whole lot of different things and then basically stack your skills to create something unique that you can Wait, bring to the market. And that's not that Pat Flynn. No. Weird. So this is, this is a different Pat Flynn. He's, uh, he's really a, a fitness guru. Uh, okay. That's that's where he makes his money. He's got a, a subscription program for uh, fitness stuff, generally centered around kettlebells. Okay. Um, but he's also a masterful copywriter and releases digital products all the time. Um, and is a recent, well, recent in the last three years, maybe uh, convert from sort of rabid atheist to conservative, devout Catholic. Uh, and had a major intellectual transformation there. And he's got a podcast as well where he'll talk about fitness stuff and business building stuff. And then also um, he's got a Sunday school segment where he talks about faith. Uh, and that is also really, really interesting. Super intelligent guy, very articulate, very engaging, very fun. Um, I sort of aspire in, in a lot of ways in terms of his, his production quality and his, his interest level to be like him. So he's a lot of fun. I, I got to talk to him about his book on generalism. Yeah, by the way, you're doing much better on the production quality side of things. What are you drinking right now, by the way? Uh, it's an Imperial Stout. Okay. Um, I, since, and maybe it's just like once you get to four, you get back to it. Um, with kid number one being so active, if I, like, have a drink during this time, like, I'm just going to fall asleep. <laughs> My day you started. Develop, you develop stamina over time, I can tell you that. I, you know what? I feel like I got it. Um, you know, maybe this is an interesting, interesting thing before we kind of get in the main thing. Um, I, I have noticed, I have been kind of weighing internally um, how much I should judge other people's ability to carry a load. I've been trying to be more cool about that because um, I posted something to Facebook today about just like, shut up. Um, this isn't the Battle of the Bulge where German tanks trying to turn you to goo. This isn't the Great Depression. Um, like, you know, you have Netflix uh, and takeout and, you know, maybe you lost your job. But uh, uh, and hey, man, I have lost multiple jobs in my life. And I know how scary that is. It's terrifying. Um, but in context, I, I posted about my grandfather who um, – you know, was orphaned at the age of two, and then during the Great Depression was working laying asphalt. You didn't get water breaks. If you passed out, they gave you a job to somebody else for the rest of the day. They drug you off the, the road. So I'm just like, what are you whining about? Um, I kind of also realized that a lot of people maybe just don't have the energy. I have the capacity to handle what I handle. Um, but maybe it's because they're whiny. I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, I you started know, out co compassionate, but by the end of the sentence, I just got judgmental again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, with this COVID thing, I really sympathize for people that, that don't work in the information economy like I do, because at, at this point, my job is, is not at risk. I'm still able to work full time and it's a home and 99% of what I do in my day job, I can do, you know, with, with Zoom and an internet connection. Um, so, you know, it, the fear and the, the apprehension and the anxiety honestly has not touched 
our family in the way that it has other people that we know and a lot of people around the country. So I'm very, very grateful for that. I imagine if I were, you know, in a position where I could work, but was not allowed to, I would probably be a lot more anxious. So I, I feel like I, I want to have a lot of grace for people that are in that position. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I have been got caught in a reduction force. I have been, um, you know, fired from one job, uh, that, uh, I guess we really, fired, let go, whatever. It's kind of only really happened once. It was after, it was immediately after a stellar performance review. Um, you know, all the metrics were there. I was killing it. So like, I get it. Um, but man, on the other side of things, like, and not everybody can, but if you can, you know, go pick up one of these like shipping jobs or something like that. And you just don't want to like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> um, yeah, and, no, yeah. I, I, I do agree with that for sure. I mean, we've got a friend who like, you can just tell she's a homeschool mom and she goes, she got a job at a local donut shop. This somebody goes to our church yeah. and she gets up at like 3 a.m. and works for five hours doing donuts and then comes back and starts homeschooling her kids. And it's like, she's just because they wanted to pay off their debt faster. And I'm yeah. like, that's hardcore. And there are plenty of people that could do that, but they just don't and they wallow and then they accept government handouts. So like those people, I have no sympathy for. I'm like, you need to get your, your button gear well i i have just never had um and i i'm not sitting here being like and we have this great you know accumulation of wealth uh, it's not that at all i've just never had one um source of income since i was 18 years old i had three jobs when i was 18 um i've always had a, some sort of paycheck coming from something um for my my whole adult life and man i mean that has saved my bacon more times than i can count uh and i you know, I get that not everybody, um, again, has the ability. Like, if you're a single parent or something like that, you just can't, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's, you know, I, I kind of go back to the uh, the Occupy Wall Street thing. And I'm just like, those people are just people with bad hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they're sitting here, they're like, oh, there's no jobs. The millionaires, the billionaires. There's not one job in New York. There probably isn't one job in New York for somebody who smells like you. Yes, that's correct. But if you took a shower, you went home, you took a shower, and you just put your name wrong, down and maybe even spelled some things wrong, I bet you could get some sort of job. You know, in we're in this era of, of Bernie Sanders, who unfortunately for some people tested negative for president <laughs> this week. Um, I stole that from the Babylon Bee. I can't take credit for it. I, um, I think they stole it, by the way. Um, <laughs> probably. Saving country music had hey, run a, a They didn't steal it. They redistributed it. <laughs> Saving country music um, was on it earlier this week. They they did. Uh, it was a COVID joke, but Florida Georgia line test positive for sucking. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that's where it came from. Um, but uh, anyway, a, a fairly decent sized site. But uh, yeah, <laughs> no, but but, you know, right now it's uh it's um, fashionable to to take a dump on millionaires and, and billionaires. But but honestly, if you know anything about economics at all, you should thank God for millionaires and billionaires because they're they're the ones who provide the capital for all sorts of investment and innovation and, and jobs all over the world. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, we saw that uh, and we're going to switch switch topics here because we've kind of sure. gone down a rabbit hole. But um you know, I, I was seeing all these things about like, oh, well, this just proves the economy doesn't work for anybody because now all the people are out of money. Um, well, first of all, um, the average six-figure earner is, uh, they've always said it was two paychecks away from a, a serious issue. Um, 
you know, I mean, and again, I mean, if you're making over a hundred K it's like, okay, I'm sure there's an, you know, there's an explanation. If you're making over a hundred K and you have not taken in 12 orphans and that's why you're paycheck to paycheck, uh, like, come on. I mean, cool. Maybe you screwed up this time. Uh, get back to work. Never screw up like that again. Never get down to your last flipping dollar after two weeks. Um, and again, I get it. I, 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 there are certainly circumstances thinking about a friend of mine that, you know, has a couple of family members, um, you know, kind of that had to move in because of like some disability issues and stuff like that, uh, who works two or three jobs to pay the bills, um, you know, for, to support a couple of adult family members that have, that have had some hard times. Right. Totally get that. Um, but for most people, there's more in your control than out of it. Um, or at least there's more in your control than, than you think than most people think they, they have. Yeah. Um, my wife and I had that conversation, this conversation of like, Oh, well, what if it's the second great depression, which it, I, I'm curious to kind of get what your thoughts are. I actually think we're going to come out of this. Okay. Um, but I told her, I was like, you know what? Um, there's always rough naked in Alaska. I mean, if, if literally like it got so bad that like corporate jobs, like I do were gone, um, which I, I intentionally picked a pretty, you know, recession proof second uh, career, if you will, when I got out of media, uh, if corporate jobs were gone, um, then there's still going to be oil being pumped in Alaska. Um, there's still going to be those pretty flipping dangerous fishing boats. That stuff all pays well in the six figures. And if you want to get really crazy, um, I don't think I could do this, but, uh, you can always go work private security in like a, um, cartel country like Colombia. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you make like $400,000 a year. Um, that, that is a pretty high death rate. Uh, uh, I know somebody yeah. that did it, uh, and uh, he, you know, ex-military, ex-special forces guy. Uh, half his crew got killed in um, like a year Jeez. protecting uh, like rich executives. Uh, so you know, that's a thing. But what what really matters is was he were the women in his force paid you know seventy nine cents on the dollar <laughs> compared to him? <laughs> yeah, that gender pay gap does not uh, exist. By the way, yeah. Well, well, that 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 would be a whole episode, so I'm not going to go there. Um, by the way, I, I want to say one thing about the military though. I just think it's interesting, um, you know, with women in combat and everything, which I don't really have too much of an opinion on. Um, I was not able to enter the military due to an extra rib on my right side making me ineligible. But apparently, they're talking about not letting tall people in um, because you're too hard to drag out of battle. I'm like, you realize <laughs> that is the exact opposite of like all of human history. You want the giant guy, give him the ax and he just cuts people in half. Like just, I'm six, six, just like chop, chop. Like, like if there weren't people my size, Rome would have just stayed an empire till like now. It was these huge Germans, um, that the Rome, the Romans literally thought were giants who were probably only, you know, six, three, but like the Romans were like, you know, five, four. Um, what, what a random, requirement like to me that's an indication of how unnecessary all of the con most of the conflicts that we're in are if you can get that far into the weeds of your requirements and start getting picky <laughs> about the height of your soldiers i mean come on how about we just not send them into war yeah uh, um the uh the uh, seeing afghanistan is going to get turned back over the taliban is pretty tough man i mean i don't know what else to say yeah, it is. I mean, it kind of sucks, but at the same time, man, I mean, it's it's our own fault that we've been there for 17, well, 18 years with nothing to show for it. I mean, we never should have been in there for longer yeah. than 
dropping a few bombs on him because of you know harboring Osama and then just gone home. We yeah. would have saved trillions of dollars and thousands of lives. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know that there's a good transition there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get you on about like once a, every six weeks or so, whatever, whatever you got time on. Um, but uh, so you you uh, you kind of reached out to me and I said, well, maybe let's have a public conversation about it. That's OK. Um, you reached out to me about, uh, you know, kind of like, what are your thoughts about buying a gun kind of in the post COVID-19 world? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess my so let me give you a general and then we'll kind of we'll go a little more specific from there. Okay, Uh, my concern with all these people who, you know, seeing people lined up in L.A. to buy a gun because they're worried about, you know, civil unrest or um, honestly, I think probably as much as anything, just opportunism um, that there's definitely been looting so far. Um, This is not looting for hardship. This is looting for like, hey, TV, (laughs) you know, Um, which is the same thing after Katrina. Um, I mean, certainly there's some horrible things, but I believe that um, there weren't that many looters, but the ones that were looting were not, like, looking for supplies. They just wanted some stuff. Um, you know, it's like, oh, cool. I can go I can go get myself some things. Uh, I get concerned when I see people, especially in very urban areas, just lining up to buy something because I actually think they're more likely to harm or kill themselves or a loved one than to... Um, protect themselves in a situation like this where there isn't time to get out of training or to go to the range. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I grew up, uh, you know, I grew up in the most popular, uh, deer hunt, hunting, uh, County in, in America. It's the most expensive place to deer hunt. So, you know, I was always very safely, very responsibly introduced to guns. Um, and that's something I've kind of understood since I was a pretty young kid. Um, but even an adult, I would hate for, I would almost just rather if if you just think you're going to buy a gun, throw it in your nightstand in case there's a riot right now and you're not going to get to go to the range. I would almost just tell you, like, take your chance with a baseball bat or go adopt a Great Dane or something, man. Um, which I'm not, I'm not telling you that. I just seeing these lines around the block in L.A. and stuff. It's like, oh, I, I well, get concerned about what people are going to do. I, honestly, I think you should be telling me that if yeah. that's what I would be doing. And, you know, yeah. speaking as someone who's never owned a gun. But is still, you know, philosophically is basically a hardcore Second Amendment, uh, you know, person. Um, So, yeah, I totally I've read enough to know that, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And so I'm not going to just if I buy a gun, I'm not just buy it and throw it unused and untrained and and unready in my in my nightstand. I've got four kids at home. There's no way in hell that I'm going to do that. So it, it certainly would come with some training and some classes and plenty of practice, um, not just for me, but, you know, probably for my wife too, if I could convince her to do it. So what, let's go why, why you didn't go there then. Um, so you, uh, why I didn't go where, uh, you, you haven't actually bought a gun until now, but you said you're a hardcore second amendment guy. Uh, I mean, you're obviously a hardcore first amendment guy and you started a podcast out of it. So, right. um, time just kind of weren't that interested before. What, what is it? Uh, I mean, I've been interested it just, it, Culturally, just in terms of the, the people that I tend to hang out with, it has, hasn't been a huge part of the culture. I, I've had some friends that shoot, and so when I hang out with them, you know, a handful of times, I've gone to the range a few times and and shot a handful of times, but it just hasn't been part of my normal culture to to collect and discuss and you know talk about guns. So I've been interested in, in them, and just just never got around to actually you know quote unquote pun intended pulling the trigger on buying one yeah okay <laughs> well i've got a thought here for you but let's let's kind of i kind of want to get your take what 
what have you read? What have you thought about um, uh, as far as going down this? So basically, there'd be three categories. Would would be a shotgun, which if you're kind of new to this, would be normally a long-ish gun that fires uh, multiple projectiles, uh, BB type things. Um, a rifle, which is obviously a long gun that fires a single projectile, and a pistol, which is either a revolver, which spins, or just a more modern handgun. Uh, what have you thought about getting, or what what direction are you leaning? I'm leaning more toward a handgun, okay. just for you know small ease of use. Uh-huh. Um, but I haven't really thought that much further beyond that. Okay, gotcha. I'm not going to get an AR if that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not, not going to go make Bad Boys three. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the AR being the the ever so controversial rifle. Um, I haven't bought one primarily just because I hadn't ever had a lot of like they're expensive and where do you sh- they're kind of hard to find a place to shoot them at. I was living in Chicago. It's like there was nowhere to take it and use it without going back to the farm I grew up on. You know, six hours away. Um, so that. Uh, I might actually build one down here, like kind of build your own uh, as a um, my deer hunting rifle, just because they weigh like nothing, uh, and I'm interested in mountain biking into a major national forest uh, and deer hunting kind of off of a mountain bike because uh, wow. you get out further than other people. Um, now, are you interested in building one at all? Because is there an appeal to you for the untraceable nature of it? Um, you know, now I I don't have those tools, so um, you know. In my opinion, the the whole idea that you know they're gonna like, um, if they're going to confiscate the most popular rifle in America, um, I, I mean, I, I think we'd be at a a place with a lot more issues by then, as opposed to them getting my individual rifle. Uh, I mean, Ammon Bundy, the guy that uh, uh, you know caused a lot of uh, news coverage over um, some grazing rights for his cattle, is now saying that they're basically going to. Um, stand between the police and this church service once that Easter Sunday. Um, uh, you know, so I, I, I can't imagine, uh, I'm also in Missouri. Uh, and so I just honestly can't imagine that the state of Missouri is going to come for my rifle that I hand built that one part, um, you know, it, it was background checked. Um, supposedly it's not even supposed to be traced either. Um, they're not supposed to be keeping a record of the fact that I bought it. They're uh-huh. supposed to be clearing me as a, non-criminal to purchase it and then yeah. destroying the record. I don't, I don't believe that or not, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to walk you through what I do. Um, and it's just a suggestion and I'm going to put a blog post up um, on uh, mighty networks, which is something that I'm building out because whatever channel you are consuming this on is basically unstable and uh, suppresses all kinds of stuff. And we're not saying controversial stuff. We're saying all kinds of stuff for all kinds of reasons. Um, if you're seeing this now, you may never see it again unless you're subscribed to something I'm doing. So um, we're working on that. So what I've got is a pistol grip shotgun um, that is mounted um, in a safe in the bedroom. And so I, I thought I'd bring it on camera, but I was like, oh, I, I'm going to get killed on all my channels for the rest of like time by all these te- tech networks if I do. So I'll, I'll link to it. Uh, but it's a you know it's a shorter shotgun uh, that's a pump action, and then. Uh, I've got it adapted to run on one and three quarter inch shells because normally a gun that's that small with a big shell would be uh, have a lot of recoil and hard to handle. 
my wife can handle this really well. Um, what I think is actually maybe more important than what gun you select or as important um, is uh, what you put on it. So I've actually got a flashlight on mine. And I've got a green laser. The reason it's green, not red, is because um, red gets lost in the daylight and green, you know, turns on. So I don't have to actually aim it. Um, if I was in a, uh, you know, a, a situation where uh, my life or the lives of my family were being imminently threatened by a home invader, um, if it's dead of night, um, you know, I've got the light on it and then I've got the laser. Uh, and it's not, you're not going to hit exactly where the laser's at. But under extreme stress, it's much more likely that you'll be able to use it. Um, and so I would say, uh, first of all, decide if you're ever going to carry it or not. Um, and that, if you're not going to carry it, get a pretty big one. <laughs> um, I like Smith and uh, Smith and Wesson M&P if you're going for a handgun. I really like the shotgun sh- setup just because two hands on something, you're much more likely to be able to use it effectively than one hand. Um, and uh, I... You know, I just like that under stress. But if you're going to do a handgun, um, I, I would say budget out and get a uh, both a laser and a flashlight on it. Or get a laser and put a flashlight in your hand like old school FBI style. They used to clear rooms like that. Um, so that would be uh, that would be the way I would go. Um, and uh, honestly, I would uh, – you can rent um, guns at different ranges and stuff like that. Uh, if you can get a friend to go with you or you can have them walk you through it. Um, that'll tell you something, um, pretty important. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that. I would just go in and just hold them. Um, and just, you know, in a safe direction, obviously don't point it at other customers or something, but just kind of see how it points. Um, and that'll tell you a lot about it, how it fits in your hand and stuff. Uh, honestly, I would say that most modern firearms that are for sale are all pretty good. Uh, everybody's kind of got their preference and some just like wackadoodle dude who has nothing to do will probably leave really nasty comments on YouTube for me saying that. Um, but honestly, for the most part, they're, um, they're pretty good. Um, overall, I, I've shot a bunch of different kinds of guns and I, uh, most modern firearms rarely jam. Um, they're not that hard to take care of. It's, they're actually all, I mean, it's, it's a heck of a lot easier decision to make than like a car. Um, cars, you can definitely get some that are, they're going to be a lot worse than others. Um, most modern firearms, you're in pretty good shape across the board, um, as far have you looked at storage options or no? No, not really. Okay. So if you're going to do so your kids range in age from two to twelve. Two to twelve? Okay. Mm. Maybe that's why you're awake enough to have a drink and <laughs> I don't, because you can like you can actually farm out some labor at this point. <laughs> yeah, we're, my twelve year old's about to start mowing the lawn, which I'm pretty happy about. Really? Okay. I um so we we just bought uh three weeks before a pandemic because I'm great at timing apparently. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, our yard is so small. I have like a 1950s manual lawnmower. Oh, wow. And it cuts really well. And even with that, I would say a full mowing job is probably under a half hour. Once, uh, you know, kind of once the yard, all the leaves are swept up and stuff from, um, you know, it being winter and kind of had to do that spring cleaning thing on the yard. Um, so yeah, I have very old school mower. <laughs> Uh, you know, again, there's a lot of good options, um, with how to store something. I would say don't go so cheap that you are, um, and I think that's my next guest. Uh, hang on. Uh, um, oh, no. uh, don't go so cheap that you got to like turn, um, it looks like the, uh, like slot machine where you've got a little handheld safe and you have to like 
you know, if it's if it would be like a lock for a high school locker, you're not going to be able to use it under extreme stress. Um, and uh, on the other hand, I do not like trusting my life to electronics. Um, so I don't you I have a, a big fireproof gun safe that's bolted to the floor um, for, uh, you know, the majority of the, the firearms I own. Um, that's also just a commercial not to rob me. It's not worth it. You're not going to get that thing out of there. Um, <laughs> have you heard of the stop box? Stop box. No, I just, I bookmarked that the other day to check into later. It's some sort of, it, it's, it's purely mechanical, but it basically, it fits the grip of your palm in order to, uh, unlock it. And it's not entirely clear to me how it works, but it, it seemed pretty cool. I think I started to get ads for it. Oh, I think I media. see it. So like, it's, um, uh, this would be the kind of thing I would want to, uh, I would recommend putting on, um, yeah, that'd be the, I, I actually need to get the setup where I can like screen share and do images and stuff. Maybe I'll just do that. Um, uh, that would be a small safe that could go mm-hmm. in a closet or something like that. You want to run through it several times. Um, because, uh, again, under extreme stress, your, uh, fine motor skills just go away. Um, yeah. you know, and I, I would say if you, uh, uh, you know, obviously don't say it out loud, but, um, I would say try to do it something like sort of close to your bank pin or a birthday or something like that. It's really easy to remember a combination of because, uh, so like seven thirteen eighty four is that what you said? What? <laughs> just kidding. I just yeah. made that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I would do that and then honestly past that, I would make sure that you're getting out at least four times a year. Um, I would, uh, you know, really, really try to, you know, maybe kind of have a conversation with your wife about using it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and as you are comfortable, um, to me, you are safer with a, a, a gun in the home. If your kids are introduced at age appropriate times, um, you know, which, uh, like my brother-in-law, uh, who's, uh, you know, uh, what he did with his kids was, um, you know, Hey, if you see a gun, get back, get away from it when they're very yeah. young. Right. So yeah. that's, that's the age appropriate conversation to have there. Um, you know, and like I said, I grew up doing a lot of shooting. Um, it, it's so funny, like with helicopter parenting and stuff, I was so not helicopter parented and it worked well. Um, you know, and so I, you know, was I allowed to like go shoot and go hunt in the woods by myself when I was 12 years old? I was. Um, was I uh, allowed to drive to across two states before there were cell phones to go to a student government leadership college by my, or, uh, you know, conference by myself? Um, when I was 16, I was, um, maybe there's early cell phones, but it wasn't like now. Right. So I get it. Like not everybody's going to have, and I I get the world's different and stuff. Um, but it, to me, uh, you're safer as opposed to having this like forbidden thing. Um, or if you don't talk about it, uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, tell me if if you think this is analogous at all, but the approach that I've taken with my kids when it comes to alcohol because I grew up in a family that was very anti drinking. And so it was sort yeah. of, it was looked down upon and it was this forbidden type of thing. And, and it was, it was negative towards, you know, people that we knew who were drinking. And, um, I, I you know, I, by this point I'm very much, you know, okay with, with drinking, uh, in moderation, of course, you know, not getting drunk or anything. Um, but in, in terms of my kids, like, you know, I, I want it to be around them so that you demystify it from them. It's not this, you know, super secret unknown, like, Oh, what is beer? Uh, you know, so that they, it's normalized to them. It's not this crazy untouchable type thing. 
And I, I, to me, it seems like guns would be the same way. Not that I'm yeah. like, you know, letting them handle it or anything, but I, I, I want to demystify it, but also put in a healthy fear and respect yeah. for it in my kids yeah, and, and in myself as well. Yeah. I, well, you know, I, I have, um, on each one of these topics and we'll kind of, we'll kind of wrap up here and I'm, I'll do, uh, some blogging about this and you guys can hop over to mighty networks, uh, when, when that's up. But, you know, if you look at Europe, um, countries where like Germany, where you know, kids are basically allowed to drink at ages that we would find very concerning. Um, <laughs> you know, I've got a friend from Austria that said, uh, if you're old enough to like go up and like get the glass off the bar yourself, like you can have the beer. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I recommend that. Um, but the, the broader principle is that, uh, you know, they have, uh, much less, uh, their rates of like binge drinking in college, uh, and in your early twenties and, you know, alcohol poisoning and stuff like that are much, much less because it's not just like a, um, they're not trying to thrill seek at that point. It's just a, a part of their lives. Um, I would say the responsible introduction to, um, to guns would be the same thing that, uh, you know, you want to, you want to raise somebody that, uh, has an idea that, uh, that they, you know, could hurt themselves or somebody else. Although, you know, that whole thing about like your brain's not fully developed until you're 25, 25. or whatever. You know what? I don't know if I believe that it's like, as far as like, Oh, well, even teenagers don't realize that they could die. Um, dude, everything on Joe Rogan is true. Don't you know? That? <laughs> well, no, here's the thing. Um, my one great aunt got the hood of her jacket caught in the power takeoff of, um, the, uh, tractor, uh, and her neck snapped. My great grandma oh, got wow. gored to death by a bull. My one great, great uncle, the tractor rolled over on him and killed him. Uh, I mean, like everybody that grew up farming, you know, it's not exactly the same as like, you know, veterans or like, you know, if you were a veteran, you, you knew, you know, you lost somebody, but everybody knows somebody that lost somebody. Um, you know, I unfortunately knew a, a guy that fell through his pond. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, that's probably the most recent farming death fell through his pond on his, um, uh, on his property and, you know, was not able to make it out in the winter. Um, wow. and so I think, but I had a pretty good idea. You could die. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I think as a parent, I tend I tend to lean towards at age appropriate times, you know, like the whole opioid epidemic and stuff like kids getting really into that. It's like, OK, we probably before that decision ever could come up, we probably need to find a way to expose you to the fact that like these people are dying and make that really real. Um, you know, like I've I know another parent that would, that would see a dog that ran out in the road and, um, you know, got run over even their kids like five and six year old. If that dog had run the, out of the road, it would be alive. You need to understand that. That's what a car does to a body. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and this got dark fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, Closed Minded Podcast. Um, I really like everything uh, Seth is doing on social media. I uh, would love to have you come back at, to your uh, convenience, basically, just whenever you can get here. Um, hopefully that was, you know, it, it, it was really cool to have the discussion, man. And hopefully did that help, help you a little bit with the, uh, you know, make sure you got a light and a laser on there because yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I had not heard those two pieces emphasized so that that was helpful to just certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it could be the difference in being alive and not being alive. Um, as far as if you had to use it and use it successfully. So, uh, close minded podcast, go download it. 
uh, man, I will, um, I'll catch you next time. I hope uh, we do it again in a month or so, if that's cool, all right? Cool. Yeah, thanks a lot. Have uh, a good one. Thanks for staying up with me, man. See ya. All right, see ya. All right, um, we got another one coming up. Guest numero dos is going to be here uh, in just a second, as soon as I can uh, send this over. By the way, thank you so much for uh, hanging for episode number three here. Um, I am going to kind of get more together or whatever. Um, The day job, side gig, like everything's actually uh, pretty hectic. Oddly enough, and I understand that a lot of a lot of people are really financially hurting and stuff um, right now, and a lot of people are out of work. I'm busier um, because I work in the digital space, and everybody's got to figure out how to communicate about this and adapt and uh, and everything else. So um, Rowan is uh, my next guest, uh, who just got the Zoom link right now. Let me talk a little bit about the uh, Mighty Networks and just what a garbage fire social media is right now. Um, So, yeah, just this week, YouTube was purging channels uh, just because they kind of decided that uh, they didn't want to pay some of these creators anymore, which, you know what? It's YouTube's real estate. Like, you're just hanging out there. Um, however, some of the reasons that um, people were purged seem to be pretty jacked up um, as far as, uh, you know, how they were, uh, you know, how they were purged and how uh, some of these channels, uh, the, um, you know, the, the content creator was literally just making a living like this. And then all of a sudden YouTube just kind of came in and it was like, boom, um, by your, you know, you're no longer eligible for monetization. Uh, in some cases, channels have been deleted completely, and I'm, I'm not talking about like you know conspiracy theory or um, you know really uh, um, really super controversial channels. Just some of them have been deleted for minor infractions, or because somebody complained. Kind of like the whole social distancing thing right now. Um, if uh, you know you. Um, <clears throat> uh, you complain in some cities about somebody like you can really get them in trouble, get them fined, even if it's not true. A friend of mine, uh, Ruslan, you can look up his YouTube channel. Uh, he did a response uh, to, he's a Christian hip hop artist. He did a response to a couple of guys uh, who uh, really kind of made some, you know, not just they were atheists, but made some uh, pretty uh, ignorant statements um, about faith. that just didn't know what they were talking about. Um, he responded to them and then they tried to put a copyright strike on his channel, uh, which he hadn't done anything wrong. Uh, they were just pissed off at him. The point is we got to find a place to uh, hang out outside of that garbage. So mighty networks is what I'm building. Um, it is a place to connect around career culture, uh, creativity and life skills, which is, uh, uh, the stuff that this show, this podcast is built on. Uh, and I'll get a link up and stuff, but that's why I keep pushing everybody over there. Um, because they are not going to let you see everything. And that's not a conspiracy theory. It's not saying certain kinds of content are even being blocked. That's saying if we're going to have a direct relationship, we need to have a direct relationship. And uh, uh, wait, are you on? There we go. Rowan. Yes, maybe. Hello. Hello. We're going to get it. So anyway, that's why I'm doing it. Um, I would say if you were doing any kind of content creator thing, um, I'm texting her. I want to tell her I can't hear her. Um, 
that you need to think about operating outside of uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, those things are all great tools right now. They may not all be great tools. Um, she dropped off. She'll probably come back. Uh, hey, buddy. You want to say hi? The dog's hanging out with me. He's my bud. We did uh, our own grooming. Um, wait, we got it? There we go. Okay, no audio, though. Not getting audio. Um, you want to check your mic input? Um, let me hang on. Let me check the inputs over here. Check, check. So you're the second guest I've had on Zoom. Um, so it's very likely on your end. Is your mic selected? You want to just move your mouth and like I'll improvise the dialogue. I'll imagine what you're saying and talk to myself. So it's not just like my headphones are bad or something like that. Um, I can actually see that you're, there's no audio input coming off your channel. Um, so I don't know how much you've used Zoom, but uh, here I'm texting you right now. The oh, one... there it is. <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You know, it just takes a minute or two. Okay. Um, Guest two of two of the evening. Uh, Welcome to Seth Tower and Friends, Career, Culture, Creativity, and Life Skills. Um, Rowan uh, went to the college I went to and then uh, worked at a radio station I worked at sort of uh, part-time and then uh, discovered that you uh, live in St. Louis, which uh, you have done for, I don't know, a while now, right? Yeah, about seven years. Okay, gotcha. Uh, And... You got a couple things going on in life. I kind of want to talk about career and side hustle stuff because I've seen some of the stuff you're doing on Instagram. Like, oh, we should uh, we should talk about that. So, um, yeah. you've been kind of doing some coaching, consulting, side job stuff outside of uh, outside of your management job, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, for so for about nine years, I've been in retail and hospitality management, and uh, my favorite part of that job is mentoring and taking people uh, from where they are to where they want to go. I kind of see the result and I reverse engineer that. And uh, we create like an action plan to get there. And I've been doing that for nine years and that's my favorite part of my job. So taking that and expanding it into my, my side hustle. Okay. Uh, That's one of the things, I mean, this, I've only been three episodes deep on this particular podcast. This is a, I don't know, my fifth or sixth podcast I've been on or a part of. Um, one of the things I have kind of harped on pretty hard is like, man, I just don't know why people only have one source of income in 2020, um, especially going into something like that. And you know what? Maybe this caught you off guard. Maybe you're kind of a mid to younger millennial that had never seen a time this crazy because you were too young to see the you know the uh, housing fallout in 08. Um, but to me, it's just like, I mean, everybody should have some sort of other thing coming in at least part of the year, uh, unless you're like rich. And in that case, like your trust fund <laughs> is still coming in. I don't know. Uh, that's another type of revenue. I should, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. that's, that's technically revenue. So, um, let's, let's talk about it. Cause I think that people are really, um, are really trying to figure it out right now if you're not working and and you may not be working at all. Right. Or are you, or I am. 
are you working? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so my day job has been shut down. I don't, I no longer yeah. go to my day job, but at home I've been building my personal brand and then blogging, I guess, blog for a few companies. So I've been keeping busy. Okay. Gotcha. Very, uh, very cool. Um, man, I, you know, when I asked you to be on, I guess I hadn't even thought about whether or not the day job was uh, shut down. I'm actually yeah. fairly hopeful that we're going to be up and running in May. Um, and I'm fairly hopeful based on the, uh, the, uh, a pretty huge dip that West Germany went into in like the late 1940s that they came out of that. The, actually we may come out with a lot more demand even than supply that, uh, when people can go to movies again, they're going to buy every movie seat. Um, when they can actually go buy stuff again, they're going to go buy a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I'm not, do, I'm just not sitting here doom and gloom. Like I, I think the world is ended. If we are back up and running uh, and you know, there's uh, a lot of financial uh, assistance been provided to businesses to keep people's jobs. That's what we need is we need people to go back to work, get a paycheck and then, um, you know, resume life. And if we all do that, I think we pop back up. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that the question is how fast people can bounce back. Um, and there's been some talk in my, my space is personal growth and development and whether we need to allow ourselves to process and be okay with shutting down for a moment. And then the others, the other camp thinks, no, this is the perfect time to start something new and get things going. Um, but I think you kind of have to listen. It's a very personal thing. Um, but how fast can we come back out of it? It's okay to have those fears and anxieties, but then where do you draw the line and say, okay, now it's time to move on. You know, I do think, um, because I mean, I, you know, full disclosure, like I'm going to start another round of counseling probably at some point this year because I'm like a just basically because I'm a hard person for me to live with. I have such like crazy high expectations for myself. Um, it's primarily a thing I haven't figured out. So that being said, um, like, do you re- if you you're unemployed right now and you have an opportunity to build something or mm-hmm. whatever, um, do you need time to process it? Like. Has any other generation ever thought like that? And I, I'm somebody that, you know, my grandfather was actually a quasi-famous psychologist in the 1950s. Um, I'm pretty big into therapy. I am pretty big into, um, you know, uh, medication is very, very helpful to uh, some people if it's the right thing. Um, I'm into all that. I am a proponent of all that. But this idea that, like, you need time to process what every other flippant person is going through um, I've, I don't know. I don't think I buy it. <laughs> you can push yeah. back on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard because it's a very personal thing, but I think if you don't allow yourself the appropriate space to process through your emotions, which are valid, then you can, you can be going through the motions and everything seems to be okay. And then the fallout happens down the road in some way that you might not have anticipated. Um, it can creep in. It's kind of like corking a bottle, then shaking it up. You throw it into the street and it explodes. Um, I think you got to be, you got to listen to yourself and know if you need to process that. And my, my, my panic attack was five minutes, but I had five minutes and then yeah. I moved on. But that was, that was me. Um, other people might need a day. They might need a week. Um, I think the important thing is when is enough enough 
and you've got to pick yourself up at some point because it's, um, you know, it's survival at some point. You got to make sure that you are in a place where you can move forward at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, <clears throat> I, and I get it. Like, I, have, we, have we been shut down? Has St. Louis been shut down for, man, everything is so running. It's go, the, two or three it's like weeks? Two, two and a half weeks, I think. Two and a half weeks? Yeah. Okay. Like, this is the third week. Okay. Uh, I mean, I have straight told people too, when I say like, go get a job or do whatever you got to do, do whatever you can. And maybe you can't work. I would still get up and do something mm-hmm. every day, do yeah. something. Um, I mean, do a bunch of push ups every day. <laughs> if yeah. you're in a situation yeah. where, you know, you, you can't work, you're high risk or something like that. Um, I mean, if you can't do a bunch of push ups like clean obsessively, just do something. Um, the, yeah, sorry. I, 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 see, I can see your mind no. going somewhere. Oh, else. I, you know, I, I, I have, I think that people have Follow kind of, that trail. no, I've, I think people have kind of, uh, maybe seen a couple of things I've said on social media as like, Oh, you're kind of jerkish, even though I've gotten overwhelmingly positive responses of like, Oh, well mm-hmm. I tend to, I tend to, uh, um, choose compassion during this time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Compassion is not handing the alcoholic another freaking drink. <laughs> Compassion sure. is not telling people that on week right. three, it's cool to be doing, you know, an entire series of Netflix every three days. Like at some point you've got to get up um, and you've got to yeah. realize too, that this is uh, still looks like a pr- probably God willing, the biggest thing that this generation is going to face or the kind of this group of people who are alive. Mm-hmm. It, it's 10 X nine eleven. I would say, I mean, it, it's that big, um, but it's still fairly relatively minor mm-hmm. uh, i think i think there's something to the the fact like you got to find that line and and when you cross it um to your point like go out and run go out and do something pick up a hobby clean your house um you know m- just moving your body kicks the cobwebs out and then that starts maybe some creative process for you um i know that works for a lot of people just moving is um it's like that shower brain almost. You've heard of this where you're thinking of an issue, you're trying to problem solve something and you're so f- focused on it that you can't think of it. So and then you go hop in the shower and you're thinking of other things and all of a sudden you have this idea, like you've solved the problems because you're not thinking about it anymore. Um, when you go move your body, um, that can really shake some things loose and you can take this time to start writing or start your hobby or plan your project or something. It's a really good time to rest. I think rest time is also productive time because all, all nature has a rest time, right? We've got summer, we've got fall, we've got winter, which is a rest time. And then it comes into spring, but you have to have that dormant period in order for spring to come. And the renewal comes after that. So sometimes that rest time is beneficial as well. Yeah. You know, I, um, that's the night I've realized, uh, like I said, like, uh, you know, that I, I'm a big believer in counseling. One mm. of the things I've realized, uh, is that coming from farm, um, I grew up with all these stories of how my, my family made it through and nobody else did because of just crazy effort, um, mm. and great decision-making skills. Um, both sets of great grandparents on my mom's side, um, farmed within a few miles of each other, 
my grandpa's grandparents had the biggest farm in the county, uh, were by every possible standard for a farmer, quite rich, mm-hmm. um, may have, I mean, probably at that point had one of the five biggest houses in the county. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they lost everything because when the depression hit, they were mm-hmm. still using um, labor as opposed to tractors for um, for their field work. So they had people driving teams of horses. Um, my grandma's parents uh, had bought tractors, and that was a, a huge thing. And then they just they pulled off things that you didn't think were possible. My one great uncle um, grew an absolutely huge farm because. Uh, he was able to work more acres even by himself than people thought like was humanly possible. The thing about that was though, that I forget when I try to drive myself that hard is that, um, uh, like there are months that you really don't have a lot to do <laughs> in farming yeah. and in the knowledge economy that no longer exists. I mean, like you can be busy on something. There is no natural break. Um, and you know, we haven't, this is all kind of so new. We haven't exactly figured out, like, we don't have instincts on how to deal with that. Um, but like, I, I didn't know what day it was today. Um, you know, and until, uh, about halfway <laughs> through the day. Right. And part of that, part that of that's about right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, part of that's definitely the quarantine. Um, yeah. part of it's, I'm still trying to figure that out. I would say that's one of the bigger challenges in my thirties is, uh, is how to have those, um, boundaries and that's that cycle of of uh kind of rest and reset and actually mm-hmm. taking stock and believing in the idea that it's worth it that it's not just laziness um that uh you know i mean michael phelps thing right i mean greatest swimmer ever by far um trained uh seven days a week for years on end because well nobody else is training seven days a week they're doing six so i'm gonna do seven uh and uh you know that obviously paid off for him. Um, but even he could only do that for a couple of years, right? Uh, he didn't right. do that How for long his whole can life. you sustain that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. It's funny. This, this turned into just like a <laughs> therapy session type of vibe. <laughs> I think quarantine has brought out a different side for most people. Yeah. Um, well, cause I, I want to get into what you do. And I, I want to say this. Uh, I think that one of the things that, that hold people back from, um, from moving forward quickly. Uh, and this is in whatever, um, this is in health, this is in career, um, this is in hobbies. Like I, I really want to make the transition to hunting with a traditional recurve bow, uh, for bow season. And, you know, at some point I may just need to take lessons from, um, somebody who's better than me. This dude I know from New Zealand is like, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, I mean, like the bow is a part of his arm, right? And I can take seven years to get that good, or I can probably get that good, about that good with him in like six months if I just went and took some lessons, right? And so I think that's one of those things. It's amazing the kind of crap people will buy and they won't put money into, you know, their career, into, um, you know, drastically like getting better at something faster. Uh, And it, it... man, it's one of those things that just comes back and, and bites you. So that's something I, I've always tended to put money into kind of education classes, career, uh, um, pretty high up in the budget. Uh, and especially right now, as you see, things are changing. Um, I would, uh, I would do that. So, so what have you been, what have you been working on? You know, you're kind of home, you're, you're building this thing. Man. What's that look like? I've been out. So, well, if I could speak English, sorry. Um, 
lots of things, lots of things. So currently right now, um, I just, oops, sorry. I, I can't tell how loud I'm being. I've got two kids in the other room. Um, yeah, so I've, I've uh, just recorded my worst case scenario journaling method, which is something that I used to go from fired to hired within 24 hours, about a day turnaround. Um, it's, a, it's a method that I developed. It's a self-coaching practice where I take myself from, here's my worst case scenario, fear, doubt, worry, and then let me take my step myself through this so I don't, I no longer put fear in the driver's seat. I'm in the driver's seat. How can I troubleshoot this and how can I reframe my mindset into having a positive perspective on this? Um, because when, when the tinsel hits the fan, um, <laughs> you're going to need a better um, mindset than Oh, tinsel. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, last January, I was let go from my company. It was this, it was a global decision to eliminate my job title. Um, and luckily, a couple months before that, I had journaled through what if I lose my job? Now, I didn't think I was going to it wasn't in the cards. This wasn't something that I thought was going to happen. But it was a, a fear of mine as the sole breadwinner for my family. What if I lose my job? And I took myself through this and uh, on vacation, I got a phone call from my boss and he said, I'm so sorry to be the one to tell you this, but the company has decided to eliminate the job title. And he did a lot. He did um, uh, offer me a position to stay with the company at a lower salary, less responsibility. Basically it was a step down, but he offered me to stay. And I was able to say, you know what, this is actually awesome. Thank you. No, thank you. It's perfect time for me to walk away. And I was able to make that decision from an empowered place rather than a scared place where I'll just take anything I can get, which what it wasn't the right decision for me and my family at the time. So I was able to walk away troubleshoot right away, got an interview within two hours, was hired the next day. Wow. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, I'm going to contrast that with, uh, I don't know how much I want to like wallow in this and maybe just do this in the one episode and <laughs> shut up about it. But man, I uh, probably, probably about when you knew me, like 25 to 29, um, I thought I'd kind of painted myself into a corner skill set wise and I'd just done media and Basically, I'd done cable TV and radio and I'd done writing and I wanted out of it. And I just thought I wasn't good at anything else. Um, and man, I don't know. I uh, I thought I kind of was worst case scenario. I just had to hold on to what I had. Um, I would do – it is the most screwed up part of my life. And not that I really did anything bad. I just felt like every decision I made um, wasn't a product – like was just basically counterproductive to moving me somewhere in my life. 25 to 29, I probably did, in my opinion, almost everything wrong. Mm. At least from a career strategic standpoint, um, you know, I, I don't go down to like, why well, shouldn't have gotten Mexican food that one Tuesday? Uh, <laughs> That's but, a real butterfly effect. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I, I wouldn't do any of it again. And I feel like mm -hmm. it, it took me several years. It probably took me six years to get back on track from four that I regretted, mm. you know, of where I wanted to be. And I, if I would have done that, I probably would have gotten out of it a lot faster. I would have had the courage to just walk away. Mm -hmm. So uh, what do you think? 
would what would you do differently if you could go back and tell 25 year old seth steer clear what would what would that sound like um buddy the dog's eating the wall (laughs) (laughs) you saved the bowl Can you hear me? Uh-oh. There we go. Now? Okay, yeah. Okay, so this is Finley. Uh, he's very smart, but he's a puppy. He's half Great Pyrenees. Oh. Half, uh, <gasps> hi. hi, buddy. Oh, my gosh. Hello. He's going to be he, – he might be big. I don't know. The, the internet said that the crossbreed is supposed to get up to, a, you know, up to 100 pounds, which is what I was looking yeah. for. He's about 50 right now. Um, but he's, so he's super smart, but he, um, uh, he was like biting the wall. <laughs> like, okay, we gotta, <laughs> we're going to stop you from doing that. We, Amanda and I, um, like we did self grooming tonight. So what do you yeah. think? And, um, Not, it, pretty good. It wasn't too Much bad. It took us about an hour and a half. <laughs> um, it's a lot of, a lot of fur. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it was a, a pretty big undertaking. Um, but you know what what i would have said when you did worst case scenario mm-hmm. like dude you're 25 26 years old i think i had a terrible fear of like not paying my student loans and then having my credit dip and then like mm-hmm. never being able to recover from that and you know if i had to do over again um i i honestly might have just said whatever sold a bunch of crap and slept in my car and maybe like driven out to montana or something like that tried to work a ski lodge for a bit you know i thought if i did something like that like i would never get back on track i had such a linear view of Mm -hmm. work it's like well if i don't do this then i won't be competitive here and you know i'll never recover um and that's just the opposite of like the way things actually are you can take some big breaks in there don't make them too long or people think you're in prison um but other than that you can take some pretty big breaks buddy just hang (laughs) out with me just hang out bud Mm -hmm. Um, so is that, that's the main thing you're kind of trying to walk through people, walk people through right now as you're kind of launching the, the side hustle thing, uh, is the quick turnaround, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's a, it's the, um, what do you do when things go wrong and how to coach yourself out of it? I mean, you can find, I, being in the personal development space for as long as I have, um, I didn't know that personal, that life coaches, business coaches, mentors were even a thing or accessible unless you were very wealthy or ran a company. Um, but having mentors of my own now and um, realizing that you, you don't have to run a huge multiple million dollar company to have them, um, it's it's been it's really like to your point you said earlier about investing in yourself and investing in education and like uh the the bow that you want to learn i don't know anything about bows you mentioned a specific kind of bow um but you would pay this guy to learn it because you would condense decades into days as tony robbins likes to say um Yeah. I mean, I think that if I can take myself out of a really bad, sticky situation and flip that around because I'm able to not panic, I'm able to coach myself through it. I'm able to have a positive mindset around it. So I 
don't freak out. Um, that that's something that is very relevant right now. It was intended to be a proactive approach to dealing with a stressful situation, but you can absolutely do it during during a stressful situation as well, and it would be just as effective. Yeah, and you know, as people are thinking through this, because I've been I've been thinking about kind of trying to get a, an online discussion going about what can you what can you really do that's better than Uber, that's better than Postmates as far as doing something, and by all means. Um, do those while you're figuring out the other thing. Uh, but I am surprised at um, what I'm seeing work pretty well from people who are just pretty dang active on Twitter. Um, there's uh, one actually probably guest I'll have on in the future. And, uh, you know, she's some sort of relationship coach or something. And I, I'm just paying attention to her to, like, see how she's growing the business. Um, I think she just has a regular job. She's not a psychologist or anything. And. She's just somebody that got divorced, then like remarried at 40 and is happy. And um, she's doing some kind of, you know, like relationship coaching around that. And you might be like, well, that's stupid. And what I would say to that is like 25 to 29, what I just mentioned, basically there's almost nothing I shouldn't have hired a coach for. (laughs) I was in really good shape. I was in really good shape actually then. Um, So, I mean, I did the Ironman in that that space of my life. Um, Mm. But other than that, it's like I... I probably could have had five coaches and uh, and save three and a half years of, of this whole thing. So odds are that you may actually have something that um, that is, you know, that, that you have that's valuable um, if you just go do it. Like, so what made you what made you think um, I got to go to bed here in a little bit, but let's let's do a couple more. Uh, what <laughs> made you think about um, uh, like launching this or made you realize you had something that was valuable um, how hard was it to step out? Like, you know, cause I, I think other people ought to do what you do. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, it, it's hard to bet on yourself, but I think it's harder to rely on other people to make the best decisions for you. I think working in the corporate world for almost a decade, you're always relying on somebody else to cut your check. And I have, I, like I just said, um, a little bit ago, January, I got laid off you can't always rely on other people. So I actually think it's less risky to bet on yourself than to hope somebody can pay you a, pay you a check. So that's kind of the catalyst for, for starting something new. I've always kind of wanted to work for myself. Um, but I know that, uh, you know, your mess can be your message. It's a pretty popular saying. Um, but it's true. Um, having gone through, not only this, I've coached myself through the loss of my grandfather this year. My uh, washing machine caught fire. Um, luckily, nothing happened but a few scorched <laughs> towels. I got pulled over twice. Um, these are all things that I've been able to help myself through. And it's not that I don't feel fear or panic or freak out, it's, but, I, but I can approach it from a different perspective and get myself through it. And I've trained my brain to be a problem-solving brain instead of um, instead of problem focused. So, you know, what you think about expands. So if you constantly think, oh, everything's going wrong at, uh, well, no one likes me or my, I never get along with my bosses, then you're never going to get along with your bosses and everything will go wrong. Um, but the flip side of that coin is true too, that if you, you look for reasons why things are going right, or you look for the small wins, those are the things that you're going to see more often. And that's just how I've been able to get through all the weird, crazy stuff that has happened just within the last five months. 
You know, I, I do want to um, I want to pull something out there that you said, and uh, I'm going to say it fairly bluntly, and somebody will get uh, offended, but um, uh, it's not my intention. Uh, but to put it plainly, and um, you have a lot of uh, I mean, not everybody's born at the same <laughs> IQ level, uh, for sure. So, and uh, I, you know, I know a couple people up there on the genius scale that um, are at the very top end of the IQ scale. But the research shows that you can actually move your um, uh, your IQ by about 30 points through um, regular study, mm-hmm. through good habits, etc. cetera. Uh, and uh, that's something to remember during this time, um, that the decisions you make determine the, the brain power you have to a certain extent, uh, which will determine... Uh, whether or not you can get yourself out of scrapes uh, and quite frankly will determine uh, whether or not you make funny. <laughs> it's I've been up since 5 a.m. Big funny. Make money, um, <laughs> whether or not people want to be around you, whether or not you have something to say. Um, and I get it. Like yeah. not everybody is a traditional reader, um, but I just don't know. I don't personally know anybody that's made any significant money um, that hasn't also read a whole bunch of books. And a lot of times anymore, their audio books. Cool. Do that. Yeah. Um, and, and if it's not that, then read some other things and, you know, get better at skills with your hands or whatever. Um, but all the evidence shows if you're not doing new things um, that you're atrophying down to even like patients with, um, you know, early Alzheimer's dementia, if they can like learn an instrument or learn dances and learn new steps, um, that that will actually like ward off those horrible diseases for a certain amount of time. That's right. Yeah. And you know, it's, there are kind of, there's two sorts of people. You've got people with that fixed mindset and you have people with a growth mindset. And I, it, it, it's always stuck with me. I was um, helping a young, a young lady out at work, an associate of mine. And um, she wanted me to do something for her as far as um, I do her a favor. And I was not allowed to do this. It wasn't something that the company would had. um, It wasn't something I could do for her. Um, And she took that as a big uh, personal offense. And basically, I can't go into a lot of the detail, but she had power over that situation, but she thought she was powerless. Um, And I told her she absolutely had a choice. She could do what she wanted in the situation. She said, nope it's done. It's not anything I can do. So she could have changed that for herself, but she decided that she couldn't. So she didn't. Um, but you know, you always have, you don't always have control over a situation. Like for example, with quarantine, you don't have control over this, but there are certain things that you can do. You can download podcasts. You can download, um, the public library is St. Louis. We have apps on our phones where you can actually get the audiobooks and you can get the books on your phone to read. Um, you know, there are free resources everywhere. So it's, it's really limit, you know, Google is a great place to start. Um, you can pretty much find anything on the internet if you want to look. Yeah. Um, and especially at, at, you know, at times like this, um, you know, the only reason you're not learning something here is because you haven't developed the discipline to say, I'm going to be able to stay on task for, um, you know, a certain amount of time. I, I think that's one of the things that, uh, that really, as we talk about career and that type of thing, um, 
one of the major things that that separates people from who do really well um you know in whatever field from people who don't is that now almost everywhere you have to manage yourself to some extent unless it's a very very basic intro high school job right right uh, and that's one of the the most lacking skills is people who can figure out how to manage themselves it's actually back to this whole thing of um you know of getting coaching and things your week week at and stuff yeah. I, I will even say things i'm strong at with other people it's harder for me to do myself um like i can knock out marketing plans and and come up with really solid stuff for other people a lot easier than i can do it for myself because i know me uh mm. and i i take too many shortcuts i jump around too much um, you know, I think things will work that I would never tell somebody else to do. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, I, for myself, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's an odd thing to be, you know, kind of, you know, quote unquote blind to your own fate. Um, but it's, uh, it, it, that just back to, you know, what you're doing and why I think, um, not everybody who like checks us out, like probably is going to be the perfect fit or whatever, um, for what you're doing. But as the economy recovers, as you've got cash, uh, I sure as heck would look at how do you make you better than um, I would just look at buying more consumer crap, right? <laughs> you can live without a lot of stuff. Like you can you can sit on a stained couch for six more months um, and uh, choose to make yourself better first. Yeah, I agree. I, I would always invest, you know, bet on yourself before you bet on anybody else and invest in yourself too. Yeah. Uh, Rowan, uh, man, how do I say your last name again? Woolsey. Woolsey. <laughs> okay. It's been like, I don't know, eight plus years. So I couldn't, I couldn't remember if it was like, Wool... it's Woolsey. Oh, I couldn't remember if it was Woosley. A lot of people say Woosley, um, it, but it is uh, L before the S. But I get, you know, I will answer to both because I've gotten that forever. Okay. Uh, I got called um, Seath at the DMV one time. Talk about people not developing themselves and you know not I mean, continuing to, a, to work on their brain power. It's a pretty classic name. Uh, well, I mean, it's just like, I feel like if a name is only three or four letters, like, you just have no excuse to, like, screw it up. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not some, like, crazy long Eastern European name. Right, maybe they thought like it was that. French or something. I, I doubt. <laughs> See it's beautiful. I doubt that's where uh, <laughs> where they're going, but uh, yeah. So, uh, just as far as people connecting with you, because you know a lot of people are going through this right now, yeah, they need to get out of it faster. Um, just Instagram or where are you set up at? I you can hang out with me um, on Instagram at Rowan Volmer. That's a different last name, but it's you know that's my handle. Um, that's my husband's last name. Um, Rowan Volmer V O L L M E R and then powerbuttonlife.com is where you can find me too. And I have a free resource where you can um, learn how to self-coach with this, with the worst case scenario journaling method on there available to everybody. Um, and uh, I, I think you're going to do that. I will, uh, I'm going to try to do that sometime here soon. I, I, I've, like I said, I've gotten a lot better uh, about that, but uh, this ain't the week to add one more thing. Um, I, yeah. Keep it simple. Um, but uh, that's, that's something I'm going to try to get done uh, by the end of the year. Uh, Ron, if you want to come back and hang, that would be very cool. Um, maybe we'll get you on um, with less technical issues and my dog won't eat the wall next time and stuff. 
<laughs> awesome. I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for having me. Um, all right. That's going to be it because i got to clean the kitchen and go to bed. Uh, this is Seth Tower, Heard and Friends, the podcast video um, audio thing that I do. This is episode number three. Once again, I'll post some links later on social media uh, as the best place to connect is not on the big tech networks. Building another thing called Mighty Networks around people who um, really do want to get better at stuff and uh, meet other people who are, are doing that. So, Ron, maybe you can even uh, – drop by on that you can go back and between the two guests i sort of ranted a little bit more on that but uh i one thing i'm just thoroughly convinced of is uh that uh you just cannot you can't win long term with the algorithms that facebook instagram twitter and youtube are run on so you gotta yeah. uh if you're gonna have meaningful connections they gotta exist somewhere else so i'm uh working on that right yeah. now so all right it's been episode three uh if you want to share this up that'd be great and uh i'm gonna hang up and we'll stop the recording and uh I haven't really figured out how to end these yet, so um, we'll just we'll just say bye. Bye. Thank you.